I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me, as always. Plenty to get to today. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Middle East because, honestly, I, I can't tell. I, I don't think it's getting any better. I'm recording this on Wednesday, and I see that maybe an American plane was shot down by the Yemenis. This, this battle-tested group of people in Yemen who have been on the receiving end of a genocide by Saudi Arabia, helped by, assisted by, Advised by anyone, anyone, the United States, because I know so many Americans went to bed each night fearful of what the Yemenis were going to do to us. So we've been involved in that war. But if an American plane's gone down, I mean, this is a this is just one of these things. It's a hair trigger situation. And as I explained yesterday, I am the speed bump on the rush to war, the pedal to the metal, rush to war every time. I can't believe I still have to do these kinds of segments, but there's some information. There's some information I'll go over today that maybe people want to want to noodle around a little bit with before you support just this onslaught in the Middle East and what could potentially be World War III. I don't think Americans have the, the, the full picture, surprisingly, of exactly what's going on. I guess I read that uh, Tate Reeves won the Mississippi gubernatorial race again yesterday. I, I, I can't do the election coverage stuff, I'm telling you. After years of being involved in it, no knock on anybody who does it. It's just this politics as a spectator sport stuff is just become so gross and so boring to me. Guess what will change after Tate Reeves is sworn in for his second term in Mississippi? <laughs> Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Maybe it won't get worser as it would have had you had a Democrat governor. So I guess there's that. But as far as me pontificating about it and speculating or getting excited about it, as I'm sure many of the WGOP radio stations were yesterday, uh, it just goes by me like a giant yawn. Feels like a bunch of slaves voting for their favorite master. I get to spend a little bit more time in the house, Mike. You know, if somebody is running to end every single bit of government they can, I can get interested in that. I'll admit to you. But the rest of it is just confirmation that to me that Americans want to be ruled, which is the the older I get, more pathetic and disappointing to me. So uh, from the headlines that I read, and again, I'm not going to take a deep dive into it because I just don't care. But did the Republicans lose more ground again? 
That was the headlines, but, you know, we know what headlines are. They don't tell the whole story. But I've heard Republican and, and right-wing pundits saying that Republicans underperform. So if I'm correct, if, if, if my math is correct, since Trump came on the scene, the Republicans are, what, one in four or one in five? One year of victory in 2016, and then the rest are losses, including, and I include, the red trickle of 2022. How the Republicans didn't take control and get some excitement around dispatching with the Democrats after what they imposed on us in 2021 and 2022 is still mystifying. Now, I know what everyone says. I know what everyone says. They're cheating, Mike. And I am sure that is a very big part of it. But again, it's it seems like that got markedly worse after Trump came on the scene. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe putting that lightning rod out there as much as you think he lives in their minds rent-free, it's not working out for the people who want smaller, limited government or to be left alone. So, I, I don't know. and I, Vote real hard in 2024. I'm sure it'll turn out great. <laughs> I mean, you know, supporting the Republican Party right now, if this cheating is as bad as everybody suspects that it is, and some people have proven that it's particularly bad in certain states... That it is really, it's got to be very frustrating for those of you who throw all of your support and all of your time and your love and your attention behind a party that's really not even fighting for itself. I don't know really what they're expecting you to do when they want to untangle it. Now, my suspicion has always been, particularly since the election theft stuff really kind of went mainstream, is that the reason the Republicans don't ever fix this stuff, I've there are stuff out there from after 2000. I didn't hear anybody on the right talking about any election shenanigans back in the 2000 election when George W. Bush won. <laughs> but apparently there was some. Kind of funny, isn't it? It's kind of like the Democrats don't want to look into it when their side wins. When the other side wins, suddenly it's an issue. Well, it's the same for the right. But I, I suspect both sides avail themselves of cheating services. It's the only thing I can think of that would, that would account for people like John McCain. And Mitch McConnell still having their seats. I mean, is are they inspiring anybody? I know I, I underestimate the number of what I guess we consider normies out there who just still vote R or D. I'm just not surrounded by those people, so it's hard to, for me to remember that they're, they're out there in such great numbers. But, I, you know, it doesn't take much further to see that Delbert Hoseman won his primary and will be our lieutenant governor again to go, oh, yeah, that's right. There's a whole chunk of, of our population that just, they're just going to go vote for the guy with the R. And if they know his name and maybe they got to take a selfie with him at the Rotary meeting, they're fans for life. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the national debt, the national debt has just crossed, the interest on the debt now has officially crossed uh, $1 trillion a year. And if you know anything about the national debt, we have to refinance it in giant chunks each year. Most of the federal debt has not even adjusted to the new higher interest rates, and we're already over a trillion dollars. A trillion dollars just on interest picked from your pocket because the politicians that we've elected for the past 50 years couldn't control themselves. And you'll get in trouble. You'll get in trouble if you don't open up your wallet for these people unbelievable to me that we're still putting up with this. Somebody had, had posted this on social media, said they, they printed $8 trillion, gave you 1400 sent the rest to their criminal friends, and left you with the inflation. <laughs> that, 
I, I could kind of end my show right there. That, that's exactly what happened. And this was, I'm going to point it out again, this $8 trillion, most of that was on the watch of anyone, anyone, Donald J. Trump. He was the one calling for actually bigger stimmies and more spending and got wanted Thomas Massey drummed out of the Republican Party because he dared force people to actually vote on a two, what was it, $2.3, $2.5 trillion stimulus package. Thomas Massey dared to make the Congress critters actually sign off on this thing. Trump was so excited to get that big spending bill through that he, he's called Thomas Massey a grandstander. The guy who, and I heard Jameson talking about it yesterday, Thomas Massey, the guy who was trying to get the kill switch taken out of new cars, trying to stop it. That's who Donald Trump wanted to get rid of out of the Republican Party because Thomas Massey stood against the spending. And, of course, Joe Biden came in and put that spending on steroids like every president does, regardless of party. I spoke yesterday about watching out for people who were struggling. I went on a bit of a rant because I'm so mad at the political class for what, what I see as people struggling, and I know it hasn't even started yet. It's going to get worse, and I find it incredibly sad. I don't care who you voted for. I don't know what color you are. I don't care what age you are. I don't care what religion you are. To watch you struggle in the United States, which should be the land of opportunity. I heard somebody talking about the elections yesterday, and they said, uh, we voted for a new batch of leaders. These people are leaders like a linebacker is a leader to a running back on the opposing team. These people are not, they're taking us somewhere. And for some of them, I guess, again, I got to go back and remember, there are normies who follow the lead of these people, these R's and these D's, but they are impediments to our life. They're not leading us anywhere. They're taking us somewhere pretty bad. I'm not following it's kind of like when a sh- giant ship sinks, you know, it just starts to suck everything. you got to get as far away from it as you can or you get sucked under, too. That's our political class. But I talked about kind of keeping up with the Joneses yesterday, and, and this is a problem Americans have. And as times get difficult, uh, in order to save your sanity, to keep your mind straight as you face challenges, that keeping up with the Joneses, we need to kind of let go of that and understand, hey, it's okay to make modifications for your life that may not seem impressive to everybody out there, but don't stretch yourself so thin trying to keep your head above water and maintain appearances when things aren't going well. I ran across this guy's tweet. He put this out. He said, how would you convince my wife that now is not the time to buy a house? We're first-time home buyers, little one on the way, been looking for two years. <laughs> so I've been in that exact situation. When I first got married, I had a paid-for house. It's a great house. It was in Jackson, and everybody was moving out to Madison and Ridgeland and everything. So I, I, I get that, but I was certainly comfortable, and it certainly was a, it was a rocket ship to some, some real prosperity to not have a house note at all. I'd still be living in that house if I had my way. But we just had to move, and so this poor person is just he's, his wife's his wife wants to get that house. Now I don't want to criticize women in particular. I'm sure there's something kind of biological about the natural tendency of a woman to want to nest and have the security of a home. And and some men are the same way. I get excited about moving into When I bought houses, I got excited about that. It, it's exciting, and you want something nicer. There's nothing wrong inherently with that. But I do know when a woman is ready to move, particularly with a baby on the way, there's almost no dissuading her. <laughs> 
And this poor guy, it may be forced to buy in at the top of the market with high interest rates. And, and his, his realtor, his banker will tell him, oh, yeah, go ahead and get this 9% mortgage. You'll be able to refinance it in a couple of years and everything will be great. Of course, they don't know that. And there is a very good likelihood that interest rates will never return to those 3% that we saw before that got us into this mess in the first place. They're going to stay high for a long time. There's not going to be any refiing. So my sympathy goes with this guy. You know, that, that's another thing we have in this country, this commoditization of what should just be our homes, right? I mean, you want a nice place. You want something that's comfortable. You want it in a safe neighborhood. If you got kids, you want to get into a good school district or at least somewhere close to a good school. There's all kinds of reasons to buy a home, and we should enjoy it for what it is, shelter and a place to raise a family and make memories. But it's been commoditized, commoditized, into this, this investment. Got to buy now and then sell later, and then I'm going to make all this money, and then you, you, you look at the Zillow listings. Look at this, you know, how much equity we've got in this house right now. You know, it, it becomes this, this investment, which it really was never intended. And I'll tell you right now, a house is not always a good investment. This, this came out from uh, Fortune magazine. Housing market affordability is so bad right now that Zillow says it will take you 13.5 years to break even on the purchase of a home uh, from July onward. 13 and a half years just to get back to even, and those 13 and a half years, that's when you're paying the most in, in uh, interest. You're barely budging that principal for that first 13.5. So you've paid a bunch of interest. You still owe every nickel that the purchase price of the house. And you're just at even. Just at even. So I'm just saying, and I can't, I can't resist this. Now, don't listen to me for financial advice. Don't listen to me on when to buy a house. I, I'm just saying, I think there's going to be some great deals down the road. This is part of capitalizing on crisis personally. I don't, incur, I don't want crisis. I don't want people to lose their homes. I don't want to see the economy take a nosedive. But if I can see it coming from a mile away, then I can kind of say, hey, now not the time to buy a house. I may get some pretty good deals. It wasn't that long ago after the housing crisis of 2008, people got some good deals on houses, bought very affordable houses. After they had become unaffordable, that will happen again, I predict, in the next few years. But don't listen to me. If you don't listen to me, though, certainly don't listen to Jim Cramer. <laughs> I love these. <laughs> I know. I, I got to be in my bonnet about Jim Cramer. There's certain just natural targets of this show, and Jim Cramer is one of them. And again, let me just say, it's not just because he gives horrific financial advice to the little people out there while his Wall Street buddies rake in all the profits. It's because he said everybody should be forced by the military to take an experimental shot. That's when he really became a target of this show. I haven't been a fan for years, but when I heard that, I said, okay, well, that's who this cretin is. Let's, uh, let's make some fun of him. Uh, Bumble. Bumble is down. Uh, what is Bumble? Is that a, I, I'm assuming that's a social media thing. Sounds like a social media thing. I don't even know. Bumble, it's down 83% from its uh, IPO. Its CEO and founder just stepped down. Jim Cramer, after the company's IPO, this is when it became a listed stock, said this. This is Jim, Jim Cramer on a stock that is now down 83%. He said, quote, if you're a growth-oriented investor, Bumble's the way to go. 
Golly. How long until Jim Cramer is the subject of a class action lawsuit? The, the losses are piling up on people who have taken his advice. Maybe, maybe I am being very selective. There's a lot of people who point out the fact that Jim Cramer gets so many wrong. Maybe he's getting a lot right, and I'm not really being fair. But, I mean, this guy is supposed to have some insight, and he makes some of the, the worst calls, the worst Wall Street calls I've ever seen. i got to take a break. Uh, we're going to look at something a little interesting when it comes to the shots. Hadn't done a lot of shot talk recently. But there is an industry that is starting to smell a rat and still refusing to acknowledge it. We'll do that when we come back. Stick around. I talked yesterday and said, I've been kind of a gambler with my professional life. Sometimes it's paid off. Many times it has not. It's led for a rocky road during my life, but I just, I get bored easy. I want challenges, and sometimes I take on some that are are ill-advised, some that do great, some that do great, and then I just get crushed by a competitor. There's all kinds of things that have happened to me, but I, I really tried not to do things that just hurt me, right? Even when it comes to food. There are foods that I just love, but they make me feel bad. Like I don't feel good after I eat them and my back might hurt the next day. And so I'm able to kind of look at that and go, oh, boy, that does look good, but I know I'm going to pay for it, so I'm not going to do that. And, and you think, you know, we all have some blind spots, myself included. But you would really think that that big companies, when they're taking a prison pounding on something and, and really hurting themselves financially, that they would be pretty honest about the reason for it so that it would stop. But that is not the case when it came to COVID, is it? This was in uh, the Defender Children's Health Defense uh, group. You know, I clicked on this story and a picture of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. popped up because he's, he's one of the guys that started it. They've done some great work at the Defender. If you don't ever go to their website or subscribe to their newsletter, you should. They, they do a lot. You know, I'm a natural health guy, and they, they really call out Big Pharma in a great way, have some great stories and articles and interviews and things like that. But, boy, Robert F. Kennedy is the poster child for the Mike Madison motto, which is never fall in love with a politician, because I have loved some stuff that RFK Jr. has done before. But, oh, boy. The last month, there's six weeks of positions he's taken on everything from free speech to the war in the Middle East. Oh, horrific. He came out with a plan where the government was going to give everybody 3% mortgages, which would just permanently install you know, housing unaffordable. I mean, he has come out with some of the worst takes on some big issues. Thank goodness I don't fall in love with these people, so I don't have to justify it. I just call it out and go, oh, my gosh, you're terrible on that issue. He's lost a ton of support, particularly on this latest stuff uh, when it comes to the Middle East. But notwithstanding RFK Jr.'s massive screw-ups in his campaign, the Defender Children's Health Defense continues to do great work. Listen to this. Executives at the largest insurance companies in the United States are alarmed that teenagers, young and white-collar Americans in the prime of their life are inexplicably dying at a record pace, causing a, quote, monumental outflow, unquote, of death claims and drag-on profits that is shaking the industry and causing some to take a fresh look at the problem. 
According to an October 26 report in Insurance News Net, U.S. insurance companies expected higher than normal payouts from excess deaths during the COVID-19 pandemic. They saw death benefits rise 15.4% in 2020. That was the biggest one-year increase since the 1918 Spanish flu. But then it was followed by a record $100.28 billion, nearly double the historic norm in total deaths benefits paid out by the industry in 2021. Quote, the numbers were naturally forecast to climb during the pandemic, but some industry and health authorities are concerned that rates haven't greatly diminished as COVID infection rates have declined. I mean, come on. This is not hard, guys. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's government money. Maybe there's big pharma money in uh, keeping your mouth shut. Maybe these guys can call up uh, Pfizer and go, hey, guys. We lost an extra $100 billion last year, and Pfizer goes, all right, let's, let me make some calls. We're going to make you whole. Just keep your mouth shut. Don't say a thing. Could they really be that obtuse in the insurance industry, or is it a cover-up? Well, according to this one Canadian doctor, I'm going to play this clip from a Canadian doctor. It's not just the United States. As I said, the entire Western world has lost their ever-loving mind and being taken over by these control-freak corporatists. Uh, this is a, a doctor from Alberta talking about what they're experiencing up there. Is this a cover-up? I believe so. I believe so. You know, we've had too many sudden deaths. Uh, the number one cause of death in Alberta in 2021 was cause unknown. And that's never happened before. You know, we've never had, we had 3,400 Albertans die of cause unknown. And again, it's because the proper autopsies are not being done. The pathologists are aware of it. The health authorities are aware of it. They're discouraging autopsies from being done. And I mean, you have persecution of doctors by the colleges of physicians and surgeons who are telling doctors they cannot raise concerns about the vaccines and vaccine injuries and possible vaccine deaths because they might be facing, you know, they might be causing vaccine hesitancy. And so they're threatening doctors with license suspension. Is this a wow. And don't think it's anything different here in the United States either. This is the Western playbook. Australia, New Zealand, seeing the same kinds of things, massive increases in, in these deaths. They just refuse to look at it. Absolutely refuse to look at it. And I say this about the, the American medical system, which I've said consistently since the day I came on air, the very first Wednesday and hump day health segment. Are these the people you really want to put your life in their hands? Your children's life in their hands? Now, let me tell a story real quick. Got to take a break. I was talking to a friend today. He said one of his friends went in to get a checkup by the doctor, and the doctor said, well, I'd like to tell you that you're pre-diabetic, but it turns out you are full-blown diabetic. And the doctor, this is, this. I've got to find the name of this doctor. What a hero. He said, you got two choices. I can write you a prescription today and go ahead and get you on the medications for diabetes today, or you can drop about 15 pounds over the next month, and I'll see you again, and we'll see if we can't take care of this now. That's a doctor who is helping a patient. That is a doctor who is changing a life. The patient might not even realize it. He might think every doctor would have recommended that. Oh, no, 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 no. Most doctors would have told him, oh, yeah, you're diabetic. Here's what the rest of your life looks like. Get out your wallet. Get ready to be miserable. This doctor empowered that patient. So it's not all doctors, but I am saying if you don't have one like that, do you really want to put your child's life in the hands of a medical system that refuses to be to even look or consider. They, not only that, they will threaten anybody who does look at this experimental, this giant human experiment they did on people. 
They will take away licenses of their own, of their own people. They'll take away their licenses if they dare even question this giant genetic experiment that they did on everybody. Is that who you want to go to? Or is it better to just take control of your health and really take care of your children's health so you don't have to depend on these people? I'll tell you the direction I go. It's, it's not even hard. Not hard to decide. All right, moving on to the world. We're moving on to the world events. When we come back, got to take a quick break. Stick around. Back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Got some quotes of the day. I'll say the last few shows, I haven't even had time to get some quotes of the day, but I got some some beauties today. This is from Cicero. Cicero said, "Quote: To remain ignorant of history is to remain forever a child. To remain ignorant of history is to remain forever a child. That's what your government wants. They want you as easily manipulated as children." Going back to the old Roman times again, this is uh, Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius said this, quote, The object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the ranks of the insane. The object of life is not to be on the side of the majority, but to escape finding oneself in the ranks of the insane. I said often I wish I had a show on a liberal or left-leaning radio station because I would scold them about the, the, their leader's don't care about them either. That would be the <laughs> that would be the quote of the day many times on a show to the left. You have joined the ranks of the insane on so many issues. Your goal of life should be able to stay off of it. Uh, the eleventh Chief Justice of the United States, Charles Evans Hughes, said this quote: "War should be made a crime, and those who instigate it should be punished as criminals." Amen. And then in our audio quote of the day. Well, here's one other one. Uh, this was posted to social media. It said, if you haven't figured it out by now, our entire government is a huge mafia who launders our taxpayer money right back to themselves through foreign aid and endless wars. They all hate you and couldn't care less if you suffer and die horrible deaths as long as they got rich. That would be interesting to see if anybody would debate me on that. Is there anybody out there who still thinks there's this nobility in office? Got to respect the office. I may not agree with everything he says, but I respect the office. <laughs> uh, this is an audio clip. I, I saw something that I think Tucker Carlson went to go visit uh, Julian Assange in the Belmarsh prison. I'm about to play a clip from Julian Assange. It's from years ago because we don't have any current clips of Julian Assange because Donald Trump locked him up in an English prison in solitary confinement for some reason. Oops. I'm not supposed to talk about that, am I? Joe Biden, of course, has continued the persecution, the slow killing of Julian Assange that Donald Trump and Mike Pompeo started. But uh, anyway, Tucker Carlson went to go see Julian Assange. So maybe conservatives will change their mind once Tucker tells them that this is not right to have Julian Assange in prison. Julian Assange was actually fighting the deep state and exposing their secrets. Donald Trump rewarded him with it with essentially a death sentence. Mike Pompeo, his secretary of state, discussed assassinating Julian Assange. But of course, we don't want to hold him again. What we need to do is reelect that guy. 
who took one of the world's biggest whistleblowers and threw him into a prison and tried to slow kill him. You know what we should do? We should reelect that guy. That's a great idea. Here's Julian Assange, but what I want you to do is, uh, as I said, this is an older clip. He's talking about Afghanistan, but just every time you hear him say Afghanistan, in your mind, hear Ukraine or Israel. Again, Julian Assange was not allowed out into the wild during the Ukraine and now the Israeli-Palestinian issue, but he got it right on Afghanistan, and it's the same game they play over and over again. So just flip the words in your head as you listen to this. Because the goal is not to completely subjugate Afghanistan. The goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of the tax bases of the United States, out of the tax bases of European countries, through Afghanistan, and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. That is the goal, i.e. the goal is to have an endless war, not a successful war. And I've said this over and over again. The money is not in winning a war. The money is the war itself. What's fascinating to me is I know a lot of people out there can see that Ukraine was a giant money laundering operation, right? Pretty easy to see. We see the Biden's corrupt fingerprints all over it. But we're sure that Israel will use the money correctly. And none of it. Let's not pay any attention to the fact that the Israeli government has one of the most powerful lobbying groups in Washington, D.C., We don't expect any of that money going to Israel to filter back to our political class. No, of course not, Mike. That's all just to help defend our staunch ally. We're sure we'll account for every nickel going to Israel. It was just Biden's war over there that was bad. I mean, come on. How many times can you fall for this scam? And it is a scam. As I wanted to, uh, I wanted to read something to you. Well, I actually have a clip to play before I do. Another quote of the day. This is Jake Shields. I believe he's an MMA fighter. Pretty conservative guy. And I believe he was a pretty big Trump supporter, kind of part of the MAGA movement, but he posts a lot on social media. Jake Shields posted this. He said, just last month, the MAGA movement stood for no more funding foreign wars and free speech. Now they are willing to give Israel endless money and even fight their war while passing anti-free speech laws in colleges. And he's exactly right. The snowflakes now are largely on the right. And just the same way the overuse of the charge of racism was just hurled about by the left and the right, they saw it a mile away. They said, this is ridiculous. You use racism so much it doesn't even mean anything anymore. You, you say everything is racist. Now what's it? what is it? It's all anti-Semitic. If you disagree with a foreign government, a Jewish foreign government, but a a foreign government, if you disagree, not with the people, don't have a problem with the people, but if you disagree with the government and their actions, you hate Jews. You're anti-Semitic. You don't, shouldn't be allowed to speak on college campuses. They're passing laws so you can't boycott this government. I mean, the snowflakes are on the right now. And it only took one day in October to completely flip the roles of people. I've got endless notes on hypocrisy. I don't know if I'll be able to get to it, but the, the hypocrisy on this issue and the, the rapid change in the left and the right, the left all of a sudden wants free speech, you know, the left, it, it, it's crazy. Everybody just switch sides and act like, oh, I was always like this, <laughs> just because this is your war. Now, this is a war I really, I mean, it, it's, it, 
unbelievable to an observer to see how quickly that happened. But I did want to play this clip. This is an actual, uh, this is a, a former military uh, member, a member of the IDF. I've got a couple of stories here. You just might want to hear, if you're throwing your support completely behind the Israeli government, again, these are a bunch of conservatives who know the evils of government have decided, I love that government, and I support everything that government does. Really quite interesting to see. But this is a former uh, former uh, Israeli military member on what his time in the service was like over there. And I think some of these things are important to hear because to a lot of people out there, what happened on October 7th is when history started. The government of Israel was just sitting around being super chill and super cool and super nice and just loving peace. And they just loved everybody. And all of a sudden, these radicals from the Palestinian area just suddenly acted up. That's actually a narrative that I see on the right right now. Well, this is, again, a former IDF soldier telling you about his time in service. So these Jewish settlers that live in Hebron are living under the same rights that I live in, in Jerusalem, but the Palestinian next to them, next house over, next building over, sometimes next apartment over, lives under my rule, my military rule. And I can do whatever I want with him. I can take his home as a temporary base for a few hours to a few days to a few weeks. I can decide that I'm arresting the people of the house and tying them up to defense of my base. Um, if you will get an order to demolish their home or just lock their front door and don't let them out into the street their house is on, a street that only Jewish settlers can walk on and Palestinians cannot. So they have to walk through windows to yards into the other side, into the Kasbah of Hebron. I, I am, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to imagine that the, the MAGA crowd, and not, not all MAGA people are supporting this, this Israeli occupation and taking that side, but a lot of you are. I want to say no offense, but I got to tell you, I have no earthly idea where your mind is at, where you just act like Israel is the white knight in the Middle East and we need to support them with everything. I don't, I don't even know where that comes from if you know any history whatsoever, but I am trying in my mind, trying to imagine, you know, a MAGA family that would allow themselves to be treated the way he's telling you that he would treat the Palestinians. They could lock you in your home. They could forbid you from walking out your front door onto the street you live in, and instead you have to every day go in and out through a back window to your home and go find a street you're allowed to walk on. How many MAGA families would go, oh, well, that's just the way it is. It's okay. We'll, we'll make do. I, I can't even imagine how MAGA people would lash out to that kind of treatment. And I would encourage you to. I would. Anyway, this is, again, this is a former IDF soldier. I think realizing all of that in a very, very early stage in my service helped me understood that someone was lying to me along the way. I didn't feel like I'm protecting anyone. I didn't feel like I'm helping anyone feeling more safe. I felt like I'm terrorizing people. I felt like for the first time in my life, the boundaries between good and bad that I learned as a kid, and obviously I learned that I'm on the good side, uh, was broken. I felt like I am the terrorist. And my job was literally to scare people so they cannot think about acting against the Israeli settlers or the Israeli military. That was actually our defined mission, to make sure that to instill fear in the hearts of Palestinians in Hebron. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. 
I'm struggling to think that the, the MAGA crowd would put up with that for one hot minute. The MAGA crowd, which I support in their being heavily armed and ready to defend their homes and their property, but they want the Palestinians to lay down and take it like animals. Just be bossed around. And, and I know I can hear the wheels turning now. Well, the Palestinians deserve it because dot, dot, dot. And you've got a thousand reasons that ignore all historical, all actual history of why they ignore it. But we, we expect people to live that way. Under occupation, where everything in their life is subject to, to complete disruption at the whim of a single soldier or a unit or just a citizen of Israel who declares themselves a settler and says, you know, I really like that house over there. Look at the view. I'm going to take that. I can't even imagine. And if you do support that, if you still you know, say, well, that's just the way they have to live because of such and such, please uh, email me, MikeMadison at WYAB.com. Uh, email me your address. And it'd be great because I, I don't want to scuffle or anything. Just e email me what your work hours are when the house is empty because I would love to just walk in, set up shop, and lock you out of the house and say it's mine now. I mean, apparently that's okay. So, like I say, I mean, I'll take a free house. I will say that. You know, I've gone on a little bit about real estate and being overvalued and that I'm living very modestly and humbly right now. But if somebody wants to, if somebody thinks it's okay that I just come take their house, I'm down with that. So, anyway, send your address to MikeMadison at WYAB.com. I'll even give you a head start. I'll let you take some of your stuff. I won't go full on uh, IDF on you. I'll let you move some of your stuff out, or I'll, I'll throw it out on the yard so you can. I won't keep everything. I'll be right back. Woke up in my closet again this morning. All right, final segment for the day, which may be a relief to people, but uh, I warned you, I'm trying to be the speed bump. I want to be the no outlet, dead end this way sign on the side of the road, but at least the speed bump that makes you slow down a little bit in this rush to World War III, because this thing could get serious and real fast. So I want to tell you a story. Because so many people believe the narrative is that October 7th happened, just like 9-11 happened, just like uh, the Russians invaded Ukraine. They always tell you history starts that day. They want you to ignore everything that preceded that when they've picked out their uh, their boogeyman for you. But let's talk about uh, October 7th itself. This is a story I've had for a couple of weeks now, but this is just kind of a little puzzling, isn't it? Uh, the October 7 Hamas military and terrorist attacks on Israel came as shock to many, but not to surveillance soldiers of the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces who say their warnings about their alarming observations along the Gaza border were ignored by higher-ups. In interviews with Israeli media, soldiers of the IDF's Combat Intelligence Corps say that for at least three months before the attack, attacks, they observed Hamas members conducting paramilitary training along the fence line, digging holes, studying the area with maps, examining the ground surface, and even placing and detonating explosives. The types of activity they observed at the border was concerning enough, but even more strikingly, the pace had steadily intensified as October 7th approached. Uh, Desiantic 
said it proceeded from weekly to daily to almost nonstop. In addition to her general visual observations, she said she was able to obtain information about the substance of the training, which encompassed driving tanks to bypassing the fence via tunnels. Two other IDF intelligence soldiers shared a similar experience with Israel's Channel 12. Quote, we sat on shifts and saw the convoy of vans. We saw the training, people shooting and rolling, practicing taking over a tank. The training went from once a week to twice a week, from every day to several times a day, said Amit uh, Yerl Shami. Quote, we saw patrols along the border, people with cameras and binoculars. It happened 30 me- uh, 300 meters from the fence. There were a lot of disturbances. People went down to the fence and detonated an outrageous amount of explosives. The amount of explosives was crazy, unquote. These four IDF soldiers aren't the only ones who say their warnings were ignored. Egyptian intelligence officials say they also attempted to alert Tel Aviv. Quote, we have warned them an explosion of the situation is coming and very soon, and it would be big. But they underestimated such warnings, unquote. That was from an anonymous Egyptian official telling the AP. According to a report by Israel's Nyet, Egypt's intelligence minister personally phoned Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu just 10 days before the attack, warning that Hamas was poised to do, quote, something unusual, a terrible operation, unquote. So you're about to... Bumble us into World War III on something that Benjamin Netanyahu wanted to happen. Benjamin Netanyahu, and I've talked about the fact the left loves a good school shooting, don't they? Oh, they'll cry crocodile tears about it, but if it, if it, uh, if it moves ahead, their agenda, they're actually on the inside. They're giddy. They're waiting for the next school shooting. Benjamin Netanyahu wanted his people to die in an attack. Right now, he wants the hostages dead. He knows they're getting bombed to schmitherines. He wants them dead. That helps his cause. He wants this just like the neocons wanted 9-11. As they stated in years previous in the Project for a New American Century, the neocon uh, group, they needed a new Pearl Harbor to get their way. Benjamin Netanyahu is no better. He wanted this attack, and now he's got the right in the United States cheering for this thing going forward based on this what certainly appears to be, at the very least, an allowed event. Another false flag. I did this with you for five years. <laughs> Most people just can't understand it. And I'll finish with this. Israeli prime minister's psychiatrist commits suicide. Dr. Moshe Yatam was discovered dead in his Tel Aviv home by a gunshot wound and a letter that holds Netanyahu responsible. You know, I guess I would probably find myself suicidal, too, if I had to sit down and get inside the brain of a warmongering piece of human filth like Bibi Netanyahu it would make me feel dirty. I might want to leave this planet too. Or maybe BB had him taken out. There's always that possibility. Any gunshot wounds to the head? We'll have to see. Was there one or two? That's all the time I got. That's all for your speed bump in the road to World War III. Good luck if you ignore it. I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Talking about how I'm not running out my mouth. I know this without a doubt. Cause if you know these streets, then these streets know you. And when it's time to handle business, then we know.